Hi everyone, this is Red Sox historian Gordon Eads welcoming you to The View from the Monster Seats, a historian's perspective. It's a podcast devoted to topics related to the history of one of America's enduring sports franchises. Batting fourth, one of the greatest clutch hitters of all time, entering the final season of his fabulous career, our beloved Big Poppy, designated hitter number 34, David Ortiz. This season's edition of the podcast will be dedicated to the final year of David Ortiz's remarkable career in a Red Sox uniform. We look at Ortiz, we know he's non-tendered. He hasn't been picked up after the first couple weeks. He's the, by far and away, the best player in the Dominican that year. He is a rock star and he has such a big heart. You will not be hearing from David himself, but from the many people whose lives have been impacted by or have impacted the man that Sox owners called the greatest clutch hitter the team has ever had. Swinging a high deep drive in the right field, that one scored to the right, Hunter on the move, racing back, it's over his head, it's gone, it's in! Our latest segment is a conversation with Corey Kosky, who came up with David in the Minnesota Twins organization and made Big O, as the Twins called him, the target of some legendary pranks. Put it this way, you may never think about peanut butter quite the same way. Here's Corey. The first time you guys played together was in double A in 1997 with New Britain. Um, Tell me what you remember uh, uh, about first meeting David, your first impressions, and and what did a uh, 24-year-old from the small town of Enola, Manitoba, make of this uh, 21-year-old man-child from Santo Domingo? Yeah, I don't, uh, you know, we don't quite know if he was 21 back at that time. <laughs> you know, the Dominican players come in, he was a, he was a man-child, so I question that birth certificate of his, the way that guy hit at a very young, uh, well, at that age. Um, you know, the first time I actually, uh, I think I played against David when he was in in the Midwest League, uh, when I think it was the Colonels, uh, I can't remember, where it's a, it was a Wisconsin town uh, that we played against, uh, and he was with Seattle at that time. So it's the first time I think we played against him, uh, and then a couple years later, we we traded for him, part of the David Hollins uh, trade. But yeah, the first time, it's, you know, obviously the guy can hit. Uh, it was very, very impressive to watch watch this guy hit. He had power to all fields, um, and he was with us for about half the season, and then he moved on to AAA uh, later uh, later on that season. Uh, but it was it was a fun fun watching watching him hit. Yeah. And and what was the uh, what was your take on 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 him as a guy, and and how uh, how soon uh, was a friendship forged there? Um, you, you know, it's just I don't remember doing like I don't remember um, doing that much. You know, because it was, it was the minor leagues was a little bit little bit different. Um, you know, he was in there. He was he was with us for such a short period of time. Um, at that double A, he kind of came mid-season, um, and he just, you know, the Dominicans, the Latin players, kind of, kind of stood, stood, uh, 
you know, they kind of stayed together. Right. Um, and it was just, he was kind of, he was, he was in and out. Yeah. Uh, so I don't remember that much of that, of that season. I know we, we joked, joked around, fool around yeah. a little bit, but we really became you know, tighter as we kind of moved up and, uh, you know, went into the big leagues. Uh, together and through spring training and you know that's when we really started to uh, you know get tight was in in the big leagues together because it was you know I was close to Tori uh, Jock and so Tori and Jock played cards so I just kind of went in the, into the card group and so yeah. it was me Tori Jock Eddie Matt Lawton and Big O um, and, and you're talking Tori Hunter Jock Jones yeah. Eddie Guardado yeah, yeah, right. and Matt Lawton. And yeah. see, kind of the evolution of David Ortiz. When David Ortiz was first with us, he was known as David Arias. Right. And, and then he kind of then his name went to uh, David Ortiz. Yeah. And then he, when he was us with the Twins, we all known him as Big O. Yeah. Uh, and then Big O evolved into Big Poppy. <laughs> <laughs> did he become Big Poppy while he was still in Minnesota, or did that uh, happen afterwards? No, no, no. He was Big O to us. Yeah, but he always, it was like, you know, he'd always say, oh, come on, Poppy, Poppy, hey, Poppy, yeah. you know, so we yeah. kind of, you know, but we didn't really become big Poppy until he was in Boston. Yeah. I mean, he actually made it to the big leagues at least briefly uh, before you did. He got called up in 98-8. You became a regular, though, in 99, and it wasn't really until the, the next season uh yeah. In 2000, uh, that you you guys became uh, everyday teammates in in Minnesota, yeah. um, and yeah. did you still see that power potential uh, when he came to your club uh, uh, in at the big league level? Well, he, so he 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 made it in '98, and TK just didn't like him because defensively he didn't like his defense. Yeah, TK uh, being TK uh, Twins manager uh, Tom sorry, Kelly, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, obviously he had an issue with his defense. And the, the next year, uh, they sent him down to AAA. And that's when we all kind of came up. And there was McKavich. So McKavich, TK uh, loved McKavich because McKavich was a very good defensive first baseman. Right. And so, you know, when he struggled, and I think David, David came back up uh, because, you know, David offensively just destroyed AAA the next year. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, our park was a little bit... It was a little bit different, you know. The, you know, opposite field was a long way, so, right. uh, and the ball didn't carry as well as it did uh, at other parks. And we had right. that short baggy, and so Davey had a lot of power, uh, power the other way. Right. And so, but you know, big uh, TK's the philosophy when I was playing with the Twins is, you know, TK hated striking out, and he wanted yeah. a lot of lot of base hits the other way, other way, right. other way, other way. Yeah. In in. And Kelly was the kind of manager that wouldn't adapt then to the, you know, I mean, if you've got a player who's not going to be accomplished with that approach, uh, Tom wasn't the kind of manager that could adapt to that player and say, well, look, this is a guy who who uh, gives us middle of the line a pop and uh, maybe I can live with that. Yeah, um, I I guess I guess not. You know the thing. The thing with it is, uh, you know, w- w- the way David was filled out back then. You never, mm-hmm. like, I would never have thought that he was a forty-five to fifty home run type of guy. 
Right. Uh, but when he went over to Boston, he filled out. He got stronger, you know, and he so it was a, a kind of a complete different, a complete different player. Right. You know, he just got a lot stronger. He took his, he took his, his baseball playing days a lot more serious. And the you know the best thing that happened for him in Boston is is that he saw what a what a, a superstar how hard he works and Manny Ramirez right. uh, was the guy that took him under his wings and Manny you know Manny works you know works worked extremely hard and so David had this perception and since we're all peers in the Twins organization and we worked hard and we did our deal he didn't really know what it took. Uh, were somebody that he respected to really take up the next level, and I think Manny was that for him. Yeah, you know, in in 2002, you guys go to the postseason. Uh, you beat Oakland in the first round. I think that was widely considered an upset. Um, yeah. Then you lose to the ultimate World Series champions in in the Angels in the ALCS. Um, I was just looking at uh, at, at some of the. Uh, stats from that series and in the twins as a ball club did not hit a home run in those five games uh against the twins i mean pardon me against the angels so i guess from the outside it seems a little puzzling that a player who had hit 20 home runs during the regular season for you that year would be non-tendered uh in december i mean when you heard that news, what did you think? Well, it was, you know, you, you saw the writing. You saw the writing on the wall. Um, you know, it, it was. You know, I, we were in. Um, I, I remember that we were. We went. I was at David's wedding, and you know, he was. You know, he was upset. He's like, well, you know, he he kind of saw his his career is kind of uh, as almost over. Right. And uh, so he was, you know, he was at his wedding. He had some drinks in him. He was emotional. He was crying. Yeah. He was hugging me. And uh, I just remember I said, hey, Davey, I said, this is the best thing that's going to happen for you. This is the best thing that you're going to go out there, you're going to spread your wings, and you're going to do something special. Yeah. So you'll be fine. You'll be fine, brother. Yeah. Um, and, you know, <laughs> it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to him. Yeah. Uh, because he, you know, obviously went to Red Sox, and the rest is kind of history. But yeah. he was pretty, he was pretty upset because we were, we were all his boys. This is all he knew, and he didn't know what was going to be, what was going to be next. Uh, and I called, you know, I called my agent. We had the same agent. Yeah. Who was that, Corey? It was uh, uh, Pat Rooney. Rooney. Uh, was okay. Yes. Yeah. 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 And so I called called Pat, and I'm saying, hey. You know, it doesn't look good for Davey here. You know, you, we gotta, you gotta make sure you find him a find him a spot, right? Uh, because you know what, you know, don't don't wait for kind of, you know, it to happen. It just, you know, you hear rumblings and certain things kind of going on. They got, you know, they got Murno coming up. They got all this, you know, the Mikaeviches. You just don't know, uh, and you know, they're griping so much about the guy's defense. And I don't. I don't know, <laughs> yeah. and so so yeah, so they went uh, they went out and uh, obviously they went um, you know they had their plan in place. Yeah. Corey, we've only seen David play first base a handful of times, of course, here in Boston. Um, how bad was his defense compared to McCavage? It was bad. Yeah. Uh, compared to the other, uh, compared to 
uh, Mulan. <laughs> a name we're you familiar know. with here in Boston. Yeah. 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 You know, it, you know, he, he wasn't even worse than Mulan. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when you get a guy like McCavage and, uh, and you got a guy like Murnau who's somewhat athletic, you know, that just, the t- that was just, that was just, you know, the twins mantra is they're going to catch the ball. We're going to make the plays and you have to make the plays. And Davey was a little straight legged, you know, he just didn't have the mobility and stuff there. And, you know, it wasn't like the guy wasn't afraid to work hard, Right. Uh, but he just, yeah, you know, back in that day, it was, it was, it's kind of hard to explain the culture within the organization at that point. Uh, it was, I don't want to say the, the micromanaging isn't really the word, uh, but it, it, it's almost like like you were under a microscope all the time, and so defensively, offensively, you were just under the microscope, and so anything you did wrong, they would tell you about it, and so it's just always there's always this reinforcement of this stuff like that, and you know depending how how people reacted to that, it was you know everybody was different, and the Twins at the time lost a lot of really good minor league players because they just couldn't handle the kind of the negative feedback and you know negative is basically how you receive it you know you know what's meant for positive somebody could take it as negative you know and they're all trying to make the guy better but it was you know it was tough it was tough because you can hardly ever do anything right um or you felt like because there were, you felt like you couldn't do anything right because they're always kind of pushing a certain type of player and if you didn't fit into that hole as a player it was tough you know it's interesting you know given that the the pressure uh you described that you guys were under it, it it's very striking to me uh that despite that you guys always had a reputation of being one of the tightest knit clubhouses in in baseball and and certainly uh a clubhouse that knew how to have fun um, tell me what it was like and, and, and where David fit in that group. Uh, so, yeah, so our clubhouse was loose. It was fun. Um, and, and I think the reason because re- reason for that is we all came up to the minor leagues together. And so we had kind of a minor league atmosphere in a major league uh, clubhouse. And we had fun and we had, a, you know, great personalities. And our veteran players, you know, the veteran, you know, because they, they – Got rid of like Coomer and, and some of the other guys, uh, and the guys that they kept around like Eddie Gradado, Latroy, and kind of some of the, the veteran leader players. You know they love to have fun too, and so we just had a really good time uh, with each other. And you know Davy Davy was a uh, was a part of that, and we spent a lot of time together because we were you know we played cards on, on the plane together, and then we would play cards in the hotel together, um, and it was you know we had just a, a lot of fun playing practical jokes on each other and, you know, just, just keeping it loose. Yeah. Corey, I, I guess you're permitted to, to plead the fifth, but since this isn't a court of law and just a podcast, um, can you tell us about how, just how the peanut butter ended up in uh, David Ortiz's underwear? <laughs> what is that story? Well, <laughs> there, there's, two, there's two stories. One, how it ended up there, and two, how it stayed in there. So I don't know. I don't know the the dynamic or uh, why why I you know why I did. I, I, there's something happened, and I was like, all right, I'll get you. 
And so he went in the shower and he did something. I don't know what he did, uh, but basically I went, I took a big clump of a chunky Skippy. I went, <laughs> went to the training room, grabbed, <laughs> grabbed uh, the gloves, and went and grabbed a big handful of chunky peanut butter and I put it in his tidy whities <laughs> And you got to understand Davey at that, at that time, I don't know if he still does it, he, he would get to the, get come out of the shower and he would put on his socks first. Okay. And so I went and cut a hole in the, in the toes of his socks. And so he put on his socks and he was like swearing at me because he was like, you, you know, you put the, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. And so he was so focused on his socks. So he went in there and he grabbed his underwear and I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. So he grabbed his underwear and he's kind of yelling at me, go puts on his underwear and nothing happened. And then he goes and puts on his kind of little velour jumpsuit. Uh, he had like this, you know, that velvet type of jumpsuit back in the day. At the night right, jumpsuit. Right. He puts that thing on, puts on his, 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 his real tight white shirt, the muscle beer, uh, the white beer, whatever, you know, that kind of that, that look. And then he put on his kind of little velour jumpsuit and kind of his uh, tennis hat. <laughs> And he's going to go walk out of the, he's, and he's walking out of the, out of the dressing room. And I'm, this is getting better by the minute. Cause I'm like, okay, first of all, I took a handful of chunky peanut butter and he's wearing tidy whities. And how does this guy not feel chunky peanut butter in his underwear? And so, and I'm just loving this because I'm thinking, okay, he's going to walk out to the clubhouse and now he's going to go to his car and it's 140 degrees out, and he's going to have a lather, and then he's going to sit in a car that's 200 degrees, and then it's going to hit him. And this is going to be the best thing ever. So I'm getting dressed really fast because I want to I want to see this. And as he's walking out, Tori goes, "Hey, Big O, how you feel?" And Big O kind of stopped, and you could see him like thinking. He's like, "Okay, hey, why did that dude just say that to me?" And he looked over to him, and they had me and Tori were sitting next to each other. And we're laughing. Well, we weren't laughing. I was just kind of like, you know, we're just kind of, you know. And uh, Ortiz kind of looks. He kind of looked up, and he kind of he's like, okay, what is going on here? And I guess this it realized he's like, what the hell? And then he, <laughs> he pulled down his. And this we're in the middle of the dressing room, and all the reporters there. He pulls down his his pants and his underwear, and you see this big clob of peanut butter come dripping off of his junk. Uh, and everybody just starts dying laughing, and Big O starts swearing. I'm like, dude, how do you not feel chunky peanut butter in your underwear? I'm like, what is usually in your underwear that you can't feel that? Uh, Did he ever so, get you so back yeah. properly? Well, he tried. I think he froze my, like, he took my my underwear and put it, like, and put it in a bucket and froze it or something like that. And it was just like, okay, good one, big old. Tell the club, hey, club, can I get another pair? I don't, you know, kind of uh, so, but yeah, I had, I, you know what? I had a lot of fun with him because, you know, he was, he was a pretty easy target. We had, I remember his first year, that was first year with Boston, his second year with Boston. You know, at Lee County Stadium there, they have the, uh, the inmates go and work, uh, work and clean the, clean the stadium after, after games, right in your and we're the twins, the twins home ballpark in spring training. Yeah, 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 in Lee County, and so they all had these yellow jumpsuits. So I went and asked the sheriff. I'm like, hey, get me your biggest jumpsuit. And so they went and got me one of those bigger jumpsuits. And next time Boston came in town, I got the clubbies and we took out, we took all his clothes, <laughs> and we put this yellow jumpsuit in in his uh, in his locker. 
and uh, he came in. He put on the yellow jumpsuit, and he comes into our, our dressing room, and he's like, hey, give me my clothes. Where are my clothes at? And we're like, what are you talking about? Because I know you did it. So, and then, you know, and he couldn't fit in. He couldn't fit in his jumpsuit because I think he was huge, and you know they had a double XL, and he was too big for the jumpsuit. Unbelievable! That's a classic. Yeah, so he came over and he came in in that yellow, you know, like Lee County Correctional, you know, LCF or LCCF, I think it was. Yeah. So it was. It was pretty funny. So. In his three full seasons in Minnesota, David hit 10, 18, and 20 home runs. His first four seasons in Boston, 31, 41, 47, 54, uh, which was a club record. Uh, He broke Jimmy Fox's club record with his 54 home runs. I mean, you're watching that from afar, and, and what are you thinking? Yeah, that was uh, it was pretty pretty impressive. You know, Fenway kind of played. You know, the thing that David does so well is he sat, he sits back and he waits and he can drive a ball the other way. And when he he went to Fenway Park, I was like, he is gonna wear out, wear out left field, wear it out, because he had so many balls, high balls at the Metrodome that were outs. Uh, outs where we're at well all of a sudden those become home runs and so it really played into the strength and obviously the more home runs you you hit the better you feel to play because all of a sudden instead of being out they're now home runs and so the more confidence you get in this kind of building you just you start to feel like you hit everything um and you become a more powerful hitter because all of a sudden balls that you would typically the outs now, and you go back with your tail, go back to the dugout with your tail between the legs, are now home runs. And so Fenway Park was just is built was perfect for for a hitter like a hitter like David. You know, you uh, your last season in in the major leagues was uh, 2006 uh, with the Brewers. You retired involuntarily, uh, having had uh, concussion problems that that. Uh, proved to be far more serious than doctors uh, told you at the time. Uh, You're only a couple years older than David. Uh, How uh, impressed, if that's the right word, are you that he's able to do the things that he's still able to do in in 2016? Well, Dave, David's a, you know, there's certain, there's different types of players. Uh, and there's players, there's, well, I should say there's different types of athletes. There's athletes who rise to certain occasions. There's athletes who just love being in the spotlight, being the guy. Um, and you know, David's just one of those guys, kind of the pressure situation with all eyes on him. Loved it. And I remember we actually, we were in Chicago one, uh, one, and we had a rain on, we were playing against the Cubs. And we were in the cage, and there's me, David, Sammy Sosa, and uh, Glenn Allen Hill. We're in the cage, and I don't know how we got in the conversation, but we got in the conversation about the home run derby. And I remember hearing Sammy Sosa say, he goes, you know what, I love the home run derby because all eyes are on me, and people are watching me, and I know I can do it. 
and I'm going to excite everybody. Hmm. I know I can do it. I love that situation. I love when I all eyes are on me, and I love being that guy. Um, and you know, Davy, uh, David, as 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 his career evolved, he became he loved being that guy. You know, I see, I saw it in him when he when all of a sudden the world what he did in the World Series. He saw the first time he got to the World Series, right. did pretty good. But the second time, yeah. you kind of you became that guy. And he fed off of it, and that's the thing. Where even I just know in my career when I when I played, so the first time I got to the, to the playoffs, when, you know what? You're kind of nervous. You're kind of this. You're that. And then the second time we got in the Yankee Stadium, a little bit of nervous, this and that. But that third time I got into the playoffs, I thought we were going to go into the World Series that year. Uh, and we played against the Yankees, and I I love being in the position with the game on the line. And I'm up to bat, uh, and be able to, you know, I just, it just, you know, he he got to do it at a, you know, at a different in a different scenario, and but it's just, you know, so I, I I saw him grow, and you can see in his face, his eyes, you just see it in his body language, and how he kind of evolved as kind of a a kind of quote unquote clutch hitter, the more chances he got into that situation. So now you take this. Now he's the guy, you know, he announced his retirement and all these parks are doing all this stuff for him and blah, blah, blah. Loves it. Loves it. And that's just fueling him. You know, it's kind of amusing, Corey, that Red Sox owners, uh, after David won a game with a walk-off, came down to the clubhouse and presented him with a plaque that called him the greatest clutch hitter in Red Sox history. That was in 2005. <laughs> he had a few more clutch hits to go. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, when you, when I mean, they don't they'd won won the World Series the previous year, but he still had two more World Series. And and I'm wondering if you were watching uh, the ALCS in 2013 when David hits the the grand slam uh, into the Red Sox bullpen, uh, just over a leaping Tory Hunter, and and given your closeness to both of your player, uh, both of those players, uh, what you were thinking. Yeah, I just, um, yeah, I never, I never saw that. Uh, but I just, the thing with it, it was, just, it was just fun to watch. Uh, it was, uh, it was fun to watch that series. But the thing, the thing with it, if you look at that once that one year, it's, it's like, so as I kind of talked about, if you kind of really value this from a base you know, I'm not a historian. I'm just a guy who played baseball. I'm not. I don't have my psychology degree. I just, I've been in the battle. I've been in all that stuff. But if, if now that we're talking about, you watch the evolution of kind of Ortiz David as he kind of and how his stuff, how his career is lined up to allow him to kind of get to where he's get to. And because with the Twins and the type of hitter he has, all of a sudden he goes to the, he goes to the um, Red Sox and plays at Fenway Park. And all of a sudden, the Fenway Park is built just with his opposite field power that all of a sudden he becomes balls that are typically out, outs at the Metro now become home runs or off that wall. Well, all of a sudden, he starts feeling a little better himself, and all of a sudden, he kind of builds on that. Then you look at, you know, the first time uh, when the, the um, when you guys were, were down 3 nothing against the Yankees. Right. And you guys came back in that series, and I think, what, he had two or three... Do you have two game-winning hits? Uh, it, within uh, one calendar day, 
Corey. When when they yeah. were down 3-0, he won game four with a home run in game five, <clears throat> which ended like at one thirty in the morning. And then 11 o'clock that same night, he got a base hit in the 14th to win uh, game five. Yeah. Uh, but, he, you know, he, so the home run was the first one. Correct. You know, and so he, he hits the home run. Then, then the next couple were like little like bloop, like one was like a broken bat single, if I think right. I remember that. Uh, you know, so it kind of worked out. He just, and it just it kind of fueled him and fed him. And he's like, now all of a sudden, because, you know, you know, the baseball's played on such a big field, but really it's a game of inches. Right. Uh, or, or, or a million, because if that ball gets a little bit more jammed in on him, all of a sudden the second baseman makes that catch. And all of a sudden, you know, so it's just one of those things. They fall in, and now he feels good about himself. <laughs> And it just keeps on getting building, building. Then you look at the next time, you know, it is these key base hits, and all of a sudden he's he gets to like Barry Bondish, where you know I remember playing Barry Bonds at we're at the in the Giant Stadium, and he got up and the bases were you know he had a runner and the bases were loaded, and he was up and you knew that you had no chance to get him out. The game was over. It was just—it was a feeling where it's like, okay, because you can't walk him, you have to pitch to him, and you have no chance of winning that game. And I remember being there in that, in that scenario where the bases were loaded, and those extra innings, and Barry Bonds was up, and Latroy Hawkins was pitching, and he was one of our best guys at the time. I'm like, well, the game is over. You just knew it, and he hit an absolute missile base hit for for the win. And that was kind of, and you see that, you know, you kind of see that evolve and kind of all of a sudden David becomes that guy. He's just like, he gets up and you're just like, okay, if you pitch to him, you have no chance to win right now because he will get a base hit somewhere. Corey, you're, you're going to be part of the ceremonies uh, that, that uh, are scheduled to, to honor David in, in Minnesota uh, this month. Uh I'm wondering, do you think he might be looking around to see if there's a jar of peanut butter in sight? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that would be something special, though. Yeah. Uh, Corey Kosky, you've been great. Thanks so much for your time. 